We begin, what was it, last week or the week before, a new series, and we're calling it simply uh, Separated. And you might say, well, that, that doesn't sound too good to me. You want to be separated from evil. You want to be separated from disease. You want to be separated and separate from confusion. There are some things you don't want to be intermingled with, involved with. You want it out of your life. Not mostly. You want it out. Right? You, you want to be completely separated from disease, from poverty, from not knowing the voice of God and any of that confusion. You how many want to be clear that when the Lord speaks to you, you know it's Him? You're clear on it. That's one of the most valuable things there is in life. And there are many, many, many in the church world that the communication of the Spirit is not distinct to them. And, and this thing about, is it God or is it me or is it the devil or... That's not supposed to be that way. And it's not God's fault that it's that way. And what we're talking about now is uh, that the possibility and actually the plan of God that we be separate from defilement, sin, confusion, darkness, right? And we have light and life and clarity. Are you interested in these things? Go to 2 Corinthians, please, the, uh, the sixth chapter, 2 Corinthians, chapter 6, verse 14. And let's read down through uh, chapter 7, verse 1. He said, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. A yoke, you might call it a, you know, a type of harness. It was, in those days, it was a wooden apparatus where a two, usually oxen, would be linked together so that they'd pull together and work together. So they're in very close proximity. Well, we're not supposed to be in close proximity with unbelievers. In working spiritual things. He said, for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What's the answer to that? None. Now, every one of these questions are significant and important. Fellowship. You'll see a little bit later, it says communion. These words are very similar. They basically mean sharing, a sharing in common. If you fellowship with someone, you share certain things in common with them. Same thing with communion. What sharing in common does righteousness have with unrighteousness? None. What sharing in common does light have with darkness? None. God, the scripture said, is light. And in him is what? 
no darkness at all. If you look up the words on that, the definition, it's very specific. It means not even any. (laughs) Not even any would be a good literal interpretation of that phrase. What do you mean? There is not a particle of darkness in God. There, there is no shadow of turning with him. He's light. All light. Only light. God doesn't have a dark side. Now that, you know, we should know that. But there's millions of people believe he does. They believe God has a mean side. He has a dark side. He has a cruel side. But that's the devil lying to you. He's the one that has, he doesn't just have a dark side, both sides are dark. (laughs) He's all dark, and in him is no light at all, and no life at all. And anytime he comes, it's, he's trying to steal something, or kill something, or destroy something. But isn't it something how he's convinced most of the church world that he, if he exists, it's just, you never even talk about it, but that everything that happens, good and bad, is God doing it. And it allows the enemy to operate unchecked. Because if you believe it's God doing it, what are you going to do about that? How are you going to resist that? But no, the Bible tells us that we are to resist the devil. Well, you don't wait till you see some some being in a, in a red suit with a pitchfork. If it's trying to steal something from you. That's the enemy. Don't just take it. Resist that. Speak against that. Act against that. Be, become intolerant of that. Are y'all with me saints? If it's trying to destroy something in your life. That's not God. That's the dark one. The darkness. The enemy. God is light. Don't you like that? He's light. There's not any darkness in him. Keep reading. He said, uh, what concord has Christ with Belial? Belial's a name for the devil. What agreement and concord is there between the Lord Jesus and the devil? None. They don't hang out. Now, do you need to say that? Yeah, there are supposed theologians that paint these pictures of God and the enemy working things out. You know, talking between themselves and what's going to happen with mankind. Listen, if God is working with the devil, we've had it. We we might as well just give up and quit, right? We're, We're done. It's a lie. I said, it's a lie. Don't you believe that junk? There's no concord between Christ and the devil. What part has he that believes with an infidel? The answer is none. You hear what part? What parts do they share together? Keep reading. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? Again, the answer to every one of these is none, 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 none. For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I'll dwell in them. I'll walk in them. I'll be their God. And they shall be my people. This, uh, this building and this structure here. 
This is not the temple of God. And no matter what beautiful stone, stained glass structures there are in the world that are called God's house, they actually are not. The Lord said, what house will you build me? I created the heavens, right? (laughs) Yeah. And the earth, he said, is my footstool. But we are told that his house is made up of living stones, of which you and I are some. Amen. And when you understand that, when you see unsaved people, you think building materials. That's right. Get them born again. And the Spirit of God seals them in place. We've got another living stone. And when this thing is finished, the Lord's coming back. Hallelujah. And occupying his temple. We are collectively the temple of God. And individually, your body is the house of the Lord or the temple of the Lord. Your body is not you. It's the house you live in. Important to make that distinguishing. Because you'll see people all the time refer to the body as themselves. And uh, when people die and their spirit leaves their body, you still hear even most Christians talking about they buried them over at such and such. They did not. No, they didn't. They weren't there. They're not there. I'm not just just being picky about word usage. These are two very different ways of thinking and understanding. You say, well, well, bury me over there. We're not going to do it. (laughs) We might put your, your body, your house that you left that you're no longer using. If you want to stick that over there, do you come back? I reckon we could, but you won't be there. You won't be there. I mean, if there's an open casket, then people, you know, cry and say, did did you see him? Did you see her? They're not there. They're not there. You see, people go out to the cemetery and drape across a headstone and talk to their loved one. They imagine they're not there. They're not there. None of them are there. Did you hear me, friends? They're not there. So our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit because our bodies are our house. And he lives with us. He moved in our house with us. Why am I talking about this? Well, we have cleaning teams that work and keep this building up and the grounds teams. How many appreciate this? They Praise God. Me and Dave especially appreciate it. (laughs) Cutting grass is not not his favorite thing. But uh, how many think that's just right? How many think it shouldn't be okay that this place is nasty? that there's junk all over the seats and there's garbage and and junk all over the floors. And how many think it'd be a bad idea to rent this out 
on Saturday night to unbelievers to have their ungodly parties and have all kind of nasty stuff in here Sunday morning. No. I, that's one of the reasons you want to prosper. So you can have it and pay for it and own it and nothing else happens in it except the Lord's things. It's the Lord's building, the Lord's land, the Lord's pavilion, the Lord's trucks, the Lord's airplanes. Are you all with me? It's his stuff. And it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be involved in wrong things and bad things. Well, you know, you wouldn't like it if the building was nasty and had a bunch of bad stuff in it. But this is not the temple of God. Your body is. And we collectively are, and there shouldn't be any defiling stuff in the actual house of the Lord, much more so than a building. Are y'all okay with this? Are you, you with me so far? Keep reading on this. Come out from among them. From, from them who? Them what? Well, you got to go back up to see... Uh, Verse 14 again, unbelievers, somebody say unbelievers, Unbelievers. and uh, unrighteous, and darkness, and verse 15, the devil, and infidel. Go back to the scripture, come out from among them and be ye separate. Do you see where I got the title for the series? Be what? Separate. Separate from what? Basically, all that is not like God, all that is contrary to God. When we talk about the world, we're not just talking about the earth, we're talking about this world age. And the scripture talks about that Satan, 2 Corinthians 4.4, says that he is the God of this world. And that the spirit in Ephesians says the spirit of disobedience is working throughout the whole thing. And so you'll see there is this push. And it is not natural. It comes from spiritual source. There is this push to take God out of everything. And sadly, it's been successful. In our good nation, God has been removed from this and from that and from the other, and it, it makes us more vulnerable yes. to our enemies' attacks. Right. I don't even like saying that, but it's just a fact. You can't push God away with one hand and say you want his protection with the other. Right. Yes, sir. If you don't want him, then you don't get what he can do for you either. Come on, can you see this? I don't have to explain it to you. You've seen it. You've heard it. This push to take God out. Don't talk about God. Don't include God. You can't pray. You can't have the scripture. You can't do this. Keep your religion to yourself. This ain't religion. This is reality. 
There's only one God. What about all the others? There's only one God. If you're a Christian, that's what you should believe. If you embrace all the others, then I question if you're a Christian or not. People say, well, I got a right to my beliefs. You actually don't. If Jesus is your Lord, Lord, you should believe what he tells you. Not just make stuff up as you go along. Well, moving right along. What does the scripture say? Let's, let's keep reading it. Come out from among them. Be ye separate, says the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Keep going. I'll be a father to you. You'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now he's writing this to people who have been born again and filled with the spirit. Is that true? Can believers who have already been washed by the blood be contaminated? Yes. Yes, they can. And and an illustration of this is in John 13. Just put that on the screen for us. John 13, 10. When Jesus washed the feet of the disciples and they were reluctant to let him do that and then Peter finally said, no, no, you're not washing my feet. And Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you don't have any part with me. Well, one thing I like about Peter, he knows when to change. He said, well, okay then. Not just my hands, but my head, my feet. Give me a bath. (laughs) If that means I can't have a part. Now see, we're talking about the same thing. A part with. That's communion with. Fellowship with. A part with. And Jesus said to him, He that is washed, are we washed by the blood? Needs not save, we'd say except, to wash his feet. But is clean every whit. And you are clean, but not all. And that means not all of you, because Judas Iscariot was sitting there. Now, uh, this describes primarily the days before indoor plumbing. (laughs) You know, when I was a boy, we had outdoor plumbing way back. And my dad used to make a joke that he was going to uh, carpet the bathroom, but it was too much of a distance between the house and there, the path (laughs) to, uh, well, thankfully we did get all that taken care of. But uh, in those days, you didn't have in most places running water, and uh, you, so you would go take a bath, could be at the creek or the river or uh, water that you'd drawn from the well, and wash and clean up. So you're clean, but now you got to get back to the house. Is that right? And most things were not paved. So what are you going to do coming back from taking a bath? You're going to get your feet dirty. And that's what Jesus is talking about. You don't need to, to wash except for your feet. Well, we've been washed and cleansed by the blood of the Lamb by our faith in Jesus. But we're still walking through. Oh, come on, can you see this? This 
placed down here. And depending on where you walk, you can step in some crud. <laughs> now with that in mind, look at this verse again, 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Having therefore these promises of God being our Father, walking with us, living with us, let us cleanse ourselves. Who's going to do this? This is something we do. How do we do this? Well, you've got to go back to the 14th verse and the previous verses. Separate yourself from the unclean stuff that is down here. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness. And now notice, not just of the flesh, but also the spirit. Other things that can defile you inside as well as outside. Even after you've been born again. Yes. This is New Testament. New Testament. He's writing to people that have been born again and tongue talkers. And he tells them to cleanse yourself from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Perfecting holiness. That's another word for separation. In the fear of God. Now Go with me. Let me give you some more scripture. I think you need some. Go to Mark 7. Is it okay to just go anywhere, participate in anything and everything, be a part of just anything and everything? Is, is that okay? Are there things that can defile you? Can you be cleaned up after you've been defiled? Yes, thank God. Yes. Yes, you can. Same thing that washed you to begin with. But there's some things we must do because how many understand? Like little ones. I mean, you can clean them up. Get them ready for Sunday morning. (laughs) Somebody already knows what I'm talking about. Huh? Right? I mean, you got them looking good. They're clean. And you can turn around for one and a half minutes. And what? What What did you get on you? What did you do? Right? (laughs) And you can clean them up, but depending on what their mindset is, they can get that dirty as quick as you can clean them up. They can get back in it, get back in it, get back in it. And so it's not just a matter of, of cleaning them up. The only way we can keep them clean is for them to stop getting into that. Stop getting into that. We're all God's little children. And if you could see us in the spirit, I think it'd be very interesting. (laughs) I'll just leave that right there. Mark 7, are you there? Mark 7, 15. Jesus said this. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. Um, the scripture talked about in the New Testament further that uh, food doesn't make us closer to God. You're not any better off if you eat or worse off if you don't eat. Diet doesn't make you closer to God. But the things that come out of him, these are they that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. 
when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. He said to them, Are you so without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever thing from without enters into the man, it cannot defile him? Even if it was poisonous and killed your body, that doesn't mean it touched your spirit. And uh, he said, because it doesn't enter into the heart. I mean, you eat something, it goes in your stomach, not your heart. It goes into the belly. That's what I just said, right? And it goes into the draft, that's in your digestive system, purging all meats or foods. And he said, that which comes out of the man, that defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, Proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. Now, if this is coming out of you, it'll defile you. But if it's coming out of somebody that you're hanging with, if you say, well, I I don't condone everything they're doing, but I support their right to do it, then can you also be defiled? And the answer is yes. And this is what we touched on last week. The enemy is using compassion to uh, camouflage compromise. That if you care about people, you, and in order to love them, you embrace their sin and their evil. If you don't love all of them, then you're not a compassionate Christian. And you'll hear people even misquote the scripture and and say things that the Bible does not say. They say, well, Jesus, you know, Jesus preached love and acceptance. That's the main thing he preached. And that sounds good, don't it? But it is not true. What? That's what Jesus preached. It is not what he preached. It is not. He preached repentance. Now, there's a big difference between repentance And accepting everything. He preached repentance. Don't take my word for it. Search the scriptures. I looked it up. (laughs) The reason I'm saying this is because he he told me these things. I I actually heard somebody say that one time. Well, you know, isn't it true that Jesus, the main thing Jesus preached was love and acceptance. And I didn't hear anything wrong with that. And, And while they were talking, the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, no, I didn't. That's not what I preached. And so I had to go get in the Bible when I got home. I thought, let me look up everywhere exactly what he preached. See, the devil is so crafty. He's so tricky about these things. He commanded us Christians to love each other. He preached repentance and the kingdom of God. That's what he preached. Well, we're moving right along, aren't we? We're reading New Testament scriptures, aren't we? Should we take these seriously? Should we apply these truths? 
Is it okay to participate in everything and just anything and everything? To be a part of anything and everything. To embrace anything and everything. There's a very big push in our society right now. You hear the key words. Inclusion. Acceptance. And it sounds good. And it sounds like if you care about people, then you include. Include what? But what do they believe? What are they clinging to? What is coming out of them? And do I, the enemy is counting on you caring about the person enough to embrace his junk with them and contaminate yourself. Because the first step to conformity is tolerance. Tolerance is the first step to conformity. And what the scriptures say, don't be conformed. To this world. And there is pressure for you to conform. Oh man, there is pressure for you to not just allow it, but to embrace it. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about anything that's wrong. Everything that's wrong. The Lord gave us a pretty good list right here, didn't He? Of a bunch of things. And He said, that that comes from in people, that's what defiles. Now go with me, if you would, to uh, 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. You know, the uh, pastor's job is the shepherd's job. And the shepherd's job is to feed and lead. (laughs) Two of the main things. And... uh, Uh, To have a a full balanced diet, sheep need more than ice cream (laughs) and potato chips, right? (laughs) Some food you're more excited about than other food, but you need all of it. Elsewise, you wind up anemic and deficient in areas. (laughs) 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 14. There's some great truths here. And uh, these things are key to growing up and developing. The Lord doesn't want us to just remain spiritual babies our entire life. He said, 1 Corinthians 10, 14, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Now, he had just got through talking in the previous 13 verses about what happened with Israel, including how they, they got mixed in with idol worship, how they yielded to unbelief and complaining and, and sexual misconduct. And he said, all this happened as examples for you, examples of what not to do. And if you've read much of the scripture, the Old Testament, it is just recurring through every book. I mean, I don't know how many hundreds and hundreds of times that the Lord commanded them, don't be taken in with the heathen of the land. Don't intermarry with them. And this, this had nothing to do with race. 
This has to do with belief. Don't participate with them. You, you are not to allow their idols to stay in your land. He said, why? He said, because if you do, you will learn their ways. You will learn their ways and you will be integrated into that. Now, this is true today. And the enemy knows this. And he, he, he's very crafty and he knows how proud a lot of times believers can be, you know. And he'll, he'll come and try to feed that pride. Oh, you can handle it. You can handle it. You can be around it. You know, you're not going to do it. But you can appreciate their right to do it. Conform, uh, excuse me, tolerance is the first step to conformity. Now, I'm not talking about trying to go around and run everybody's life. I'm not, I'm not saying that. Tell everybody what they have to believe and do. No, no, no. I'm talking about what you accept and what you become a part of. And there should be lines that we don't cross. Things that are not okay for us to be a part of. Things that are not okay for us to sing and say and quote and read and listen to and watch. There, there should be lines. Now, now here's the difference. And, and the Lord gave me this yesterday. This is hot off the press. People might say, what, what are the lines? It's not a line that some group or denomination drew. It's lines in your heart. Can you see that? They're lines in your heart of what you know that you should not cross. You'll get to a place and in your heart it bothers you. That bothers you. And if you cross that line, you have sinned. And that's another word that's not popular these days. What do you mean sin? Well, the Bible said, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. And Romans says, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. One translation says it like this, whatever is done without a sense of its approval by God is sin. So if you think, well, that, that's a gray area, then it's sin for you. <laughs> Y'all with me or not? Well, that's a, you know, some people do it and some people are okay with it. And I don't know, maybe it is, maybe it's not. That's what Romans is talking about. If you do it and doubt while you're doing it, you're not doing it in faith. So it's sin. Unless you're confident that it's good and okay, you can't do it without crossing a line in your heart. And if you cross that line, you defile yourself. You allow yourself to be contaminated. And what follows with that is condemnation undermines your faith. It brings confusion. It robs you of your clarity and hearing from the Lord. You know, the gray areas multiply. And everything becomes, maybe it is, maybe it's not. We don't know. Everybody just has to go with their own truth. You got your truth, and I've got to be, you know, 
faithful to my truth. That's a bunch of junk. What do you mean? Truth is not relative. It's either true or it's not. But see, this is how the enemy works. To compromise everything. And he's, he's, he's pushing to get you to compromise in the name of compassion. Come on, do you hear this? And it's, it's working way too well. People are embracing all kind of things and they don't realize it. But over the months and over the years, they have been sucked into it. And they are participating in it more and more. And they are defiled and they're confused. Now, am I talking about scriptures or not? When he said, separate yourselves. Did he say it or not? Separate yourselves. Doesn't mean you hate people. This actually helps them. You need to be a standard. I said you need to be a standard. You need to be a light. Somebody needs to say, this is not okay. Huh? And, and not have any ambiguity about it. Well, you, you mean for you. No, it just ain't okay for anybody. Now, it is a free country. You can do whatever you want. But you're not going to get me to say it's okay. And I do care about you. But I don't have to embrace evil to love people. It's not the same thing. I'm not conf- I don't have to be confused and think that I have to conform to be compassionate. I'm not ignorant of the enemy's device. Hmm? I can love you and not agree with you at all. Right? I don't have to be mean. I don't have to be cruel. I don't have to be pushy. But neither do I have to conform. Neither do I have to join in. The Bible said, you are the light of the world. Okay, somebody say, I'm the light of the world. I'm the light. Are you supposed to be very different from the ungodly? Are people supposed to see something different? They're not supposed to hear cuss words come out of your mouth. They're not supposed to hear dirty jokes come out of your mouth. They're not supposed to hear. Right? And yes, just as bad is mocking people, making fun of people, deriding people, hurting people. But that doesn't mean you have to accept and embrace what the Bible clearly says is wrong. Keep reading. Flee from idolatry. You might say, we don't, we don't have much of a problem with that anymore. You'd be very wrong about that. The world is full of it. Sadly, there's a bunch of it in the U.S. I mean, literal, praying to statues, junk. Somebody said, that's somebody's religion. You should show some respect. You hadn't been listening. (laughs) It's not my job to try to force anybody what to believe, but don't try to make me conform to embracing a belief in all this stuff. I know better. So you, you, you should show respect. If I show respect to false gods, I'm disrespecting the one true living God. I'm ignoring his commands. There are no other gods. Period. 
Well, Brother Key, I mean, billions of people can't be wrong. Are you kidding me? The majority is usually wrong. (laughs) He said, uh, flee from idolatry. Now, idolatry is not just worshiping statues either. The Bible said uh, covetousness is idolatry. Anything that becomes more important to you than God in your life is an idol. Keep reading. I speak as to wise men. Judge you what I say. Keep reading the next several verses here. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? Now he's talking about communion. The bread and and the cup. We just observed communion what? Was it last Sunday? Where we, we took the elements together. And that's what he's talking about. He said the cup... He said, isn't it the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Keep reading. For we being many are one bread and one body. We're all partakers. Everybody say partakers. We're partakers of that one bread. Behold, Israel after the flesh are not they which eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar, Now, one of the most graphic, vivid illustrations of what he's talking about is people having a meal together. If we sit down at the same table at the same time and have a meal together, we partake of the same things, and afterwards we wind up all having some of the same thing in us. Is that right? If we had a bunch of mashed potatoes and all of us got a helping of mashed potatoes and we all sit there and talked and ate mashed potatoes, then after the meal, guess what? We're all full of taters. Is that right? Full of the same taters. Same taters. Same taters in you. This in me. That's communion. That's fellowship. And, and he's, he's saying that when we partake of the cup of the Lord, and we do that in respect and honor and faith, that we're all sharing in the life and spiritual benefits that are in the blood. We take it in, and all of us then have some of that in us, same with the bread. But notice what he goes on to say, verse 19. What do I say then, that the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? Now, in their town in Corinth, Christianity was the new thing. It was the little thing in the beginning. They had statues of this God, and that goddess, and this God, and the other God, and they had big, magnificent temples, and I mean, it was, it was worship in a big way, all these other things. And so people were still, in the church in Corinth, people that got saved, well, before the, the week before they got saved, they would go over to the temple and, and have this big meal of, of these animals and food that had been sacrificed to these goddesses, and then hang out with these idol worshipers. This is their whole life since they've been a child. Now... They're born again. Now they're a Christian. 
And obviously, they had written to Paul asking some questions about several things. And this is one of the questions. Is it okay to still hang out at the idol temple like I've done all my life with my idolater friends and have the parties and feasts? And you might imagine these parties were pretty wild. No, not pretty wild. They were very (laughs) wild. All manner of sin went on. He said, back up again, verse 19, this, uh, the idol, is it anything? Or something like sacrifice to idols, is that anything? The answer is implied is no. Verse 20, but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils. Now this is the word for demons. They sacrifice to demons and not to God. Now get this next phrase. And I would not, he's answering their question, is it okay to go over there and hang out? I don't want you to have fellowship with demons. Now let's just stop right here. Can a Christian who's been born again and filled with the Spirit fellowship with an unclean spirit? Yeah, you can. Sure you can. You don't lose your will just because you got saved. You can just like in the natural. You can hang out with anybody you want to. It's your choice. Now we know this. Married people, if you get too intimate with other people, can that affect your relationship with your spouse? But can you do it? Yeah. We're married to the Lord. I said we're married to the Lord. But can we hang out with wrong spirits? Yeah, we can. Can you get involved in things that can actually defile you and displease the Lord? Now, he still loves you. Doesn't mean you're lost. But it's just like you and your friends and your relationships. I mean, there are certain things people can do. It does not make you happy. It's so contrary to what you believe in and what's important to you. Let's keep reading this. He said, I I, I would not, I don't want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. He said, no. I'm going to paraphrase. Is it okay? I'm going to interpret. They're saying, is it okay? You know, we go to church, uh, Christian church, and we, uh, we have communion, and we love the Lord, but then, you know, on Saturday night, all our friends want us to go to the party at the uh, idol worship temple down the road, and you know, they got good food down there. Man, that buffet is, whoo, I mean, <laughs> is that okay? And what, what's, not just Paul, but the Spirit of God through Paul, what's he saying? No. Why? Because it's not just the food. It's not just the place. It's not even just the flesh of the people in the place. What is it? They are interacting with wrong spirits. And the thing is, can you go down there and participate without partaking? Can you go down there, hang out, be a part of all the festivities, but not let it touch you. Mm. 
not, you're, you're participating, but not partaking. This is the lie the enemy tries to sell people that they can and you can't. I said you can't. You can't. There are places you and I have no business. We don't need to be there. We don't need to participate in it. We don't need to listen to it. We don't need to read it. We don't need to do it. We don't need to talk about it. We don't need to use those phrases. Ephesians says it's a shame even to speak of the things that they do in darkness. We don't even need to bring it up in the guise of just telling people what they did. It's just stuff we don't even need to talk about. It's unclean. It's ungodly. It's devilish. And it's not us trying to act holier than thou. We have been made holy. We need to live this way. We need to walk this way. We need to be different than the ungodly, defiled world. Now, people won't like this. People around you won't like this. Who do you think you are? Oh, you're too good to do this anymore. They don't know it, but they shouldn't be doing it either. No, I'm not trying to say I'm, I'm this or I'm that. But in my heart, I, I see that that's not right. And what I see in the Word. And what I, 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 I care about you, but I can't be a part of that. Well, if you don't accept that, then you don't accept me. And on and on and on. Well, that's how it is then. And, uh, and there'll be times it just seems like you're getting further away from friends, even family. But the greatest thing and the best thing you ever did for your family and friends is go all the way with God. Even if it seems like you lose them for a while, I guarantee you there will be times in their life when they need help and they can't find it anywhere. And guess who they're going to call? And if you had followed them, you wouldn't be in a position to know how to pray or to have faith. If you love them, you won't go down the tube with them. You'll hold a light. You'll hold a standard. Keep reading. He said, uh, let's read 21 again. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. Is he writing to Christians? Born again people. Tongue talking people. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of of demons. They're things you, you just must not be a part of. 22. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? These things are real. If you get intimate with God's enemy. You think he's okay with that? He's not okay. It doesn't mean you're lost. Doesn't mean he writes you off. Doesn't mean he hates you. But he's not okay with it. And yes. The blood can cleanse you from anything. And the price has already been paid by Jesus. But if you you keep getting in the mud hole every other day, it's a problem. Got to make up your mind. I'm not going back in the mud hole. I don't need to be in that. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. And there's reason to believe that they were quoting this and saying this. 
Everything's permissible to me. Today's English version says it like this. Verse 23. TEV says, we're allowed to do anything. So they say. We're allowed to do anything. Don't try to put me under bondage. I'm not under the law. I'm not under the law. I'm not under the law. (laughs) Sounds a bit defiant, doesn't it? A bit rebellious. We're allowed to do anything. He said, not everything's good. Yeah, you can do it, but it's not good. You can do it, but do you know who you're hanging out with? Not just the natural people. Do you know what spirits you're rubbing shoulders with? Do you know? We're allowed to do anything. He said, but not everything's helpful. There are lines in our heart. Can you see this, saints? That we should not cross. And if we will stop doing things that bothers our heart, stop doing things that brings condemnation, old friend, the results are immediate. What do you mean by that? If our heart condemns us not, the scripture says, then we have confidence toward God. Man, you change some of these things, your faith will come right up. Hallelujah. And the clarity of hearing from him will, will become clearer and more distinct and more distinct. Because when you, when you yield to things that you know are wrong, you participate and partake of things that are defiling to you. It sears your conscience, makes you less sensitive, less aware. But the great thing about it, when you stop doing the thing that sears your conscience, well, you heal up and it gets tender again. Your heart gets tender and aware and alert again. And instead of going around, is that God or is that not God? Is that just me or is that the devil? You'll begin to be clearer and clearer to know that it's him. And when you know it's him and you act on it, that's when miracles happen. A lot of times just enough of that confusion, well, I'm just not sure it's him. That's enough for people not to act. And then there's a miracle that didn't happen that they didn't know about. It's quiet. Have we been reading scriptures? Is it true? What will the truth do for you? It will make you free. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.